0: Well, Christmas is only a day away, which means that today we wrap up our Christmas series that we've titled Advent of a New Era. Over the last few weeks, we've spent time looking at what makes the birth of Christ so monumental in our lives. Jesus' death, life, and resurrection brought about a new era, one defined by making the old new. Instead of spending time in the Christmas story, this year, we've instead looked at what Jesus' coming means for us. The opportunity that it brings for us to have a new identity, a new outlook, and a new purpose. Our hope has been that we would recognize and appreciate in a, in a greater capacity the significance of Jesus' birth to our lives. Before we get started today, I just want to take a quick survey um, Where are all my my little kids? Are you guys here this morning? A few of you? Okay, wake up. Where are all my little kids? Oh, they're just really soft. Okay, I am awake. That's good to hear. That is great. All right. Hey, where's all my parents and people over 40? All right. Bunch of old people here today. Um, All right, where are my in-betweeners? Where's my in-betweeners? All right, that's good. Representing. Now, who's opening presents tonight? Raise your hand if you're opening presents tonight. All right, who's a Christmas morning person? Raise your hand. All right, and who technically does both? All right, that's, a, that's me too, that's the best way to have it. One of the most exciting parts about receiving a present, a present on Christmas is simply getting something new. Sometimes this means receiving a gift that we've never received before. But many times, what we get at Christmas is something that's maybe a newer, better version or a replacement of something that we've had before. We get a new pair of Nikes with less rips and scuffs than the ones we're currently wearing. We get that new toy with less broken pieces. We get a set of tools with less rust, or in my case, dust on them. A new and improved blender that makes salsa and smoothies better than any blender has before. Or maybe we get that new pair of socks and underwear (laughs) that's got a few less stains and rips than the ones in our dresser drawer. Just as we get excited about receiving a new gift, our passage that we're going to be going in today revolves around a prophet who's excited about this new gift that Israel would one day receive, one that would be better than any that had come before it the gift of a new king. Our scripture for today comes from Isaiah chapter nine, verses six and seven. And our scripture reader for today is Marvin Barnes. So Marvin, would you please make your way towards the center of the room? And then if you're able, would you all please stand and face the center of the room for God's word? Uh, We do this to remind us on how important it is to the way that we live our lives. So Marvin, whenever you're ready, go ahead. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and holding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thanks, Marvin. You can all be seated. So our passage today comes from the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah was a prophet of God who prophesied in Judah during the latter half of the 8th century B.C. When Isaiah began his ministry, Israel's kingdom was divided between the northern kingdom and Judah. And the northern kingdom was on the brink of collapse. Over the course of the next couple of decades, the Assyrian Empire would steadily chip away at the northern kingdom and would eventually capture its capital city of Samaria. Even though the kingdoms in Israel were divided at the time, there was still a level of unity among its people. So the southern kingdom was still very much affected because some of their brothers and sisters in the north were being oppressed. Much of Isaiah's ministry focused on trying to get the people of Judah to trust in God in the face of the threat of the Assyrian Empire. Scripture says that throughout the lifetime of Isaiah's ministry, there were four different kings that ruled over the southern kingdom of Judah. For Israel, kings came and they went. There were good ones and there were bad ones. The good ones would follow God's ways, but even they would struggle. They'd compromise their faith in different capacities. In the midst of the king's coming and going and the ongoing fear of the Assyrian empire, Isaiah would proclaim the word of the Lord with boldness. His prophecies would not only concern his own era, they would both anticipate the horrifying and hopeful events of Israel's future. In today's passage, Isaiah would speak of someone in Judah's future that would bring hope to their kingdom, a new king that would be like any other that Israel had ever experienced before. One that would transform their lives, their circumstances, and eternity. It says that a child would be born. A son would be given. And that the government would be on his shoulders. This child, this new king that Isaiah talks about in our passage, is Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, the reason for the season. But given that Isaiah came about 700 years before him, he didn't have the privilege of knowing Jesus by name. He would instead refer to him by royal names that would describe who he would be as king and what he was all about. In Jewish thought, a name doesn't just identify a person, it also expresses the very nature of their being. Kind of similar to how we give ourselves nicknames. There's a little bit of insight to who we are. Like if you're Slim Jim, or you're Party Marty, or uh, in my case, sadly, I've only ever been Diesel and Twinkie. But I still think those are fairly revealing about who I am. Names were aspects of one's character and described who someone was and what they were meant to do. When we dive into the significance of names, specifically the names of this new king, we get a greater picture of who he is and what it might look like to be a part of this king's kingdom. Through these names given, it becomes apparent that Jesus would be like no king that had come before. Verse 6, we see the first name that Jesus would be called is Wonderful Counselor. In Hebrew, this name would be better understood of a wonder of a counselor the word used for wonder is the nearest Hebrew word to the idea of the supernatural it's a word that has overtones of deity this means that this new king of wonder is a wonderful counselor that has divine wisdom he'd be able to guide instruct and lead his people like none that had come before him because he would have wisdom above and beyond the human understanding This king would have godly wisdom that would put even Solomon to shame. As a nation that had seen so many kings come and go, so many kings make wrong choices, the promise of a king that would practice wisdom beyond anyone else gave the nation hope for what they could become, for who could rule them. And on top of that, there's the personal implications of having a king with divine wisdom. It meant that if you ever had the opportunity to meet the king and ask for advice or guidance, you would receive counsel on how to live your life in a way that transcends the way other people live. When we allow for Jesus to be our king and rule over our lives, we're given access to wisdom greater than anything this world can offer. His divine wisdom isn't hard to find or attain. The good news is he gave us a book that has it all. We can learn and experience his wisdom through reading what he taught and how he lived through scripture. And he doesn't make us do it alone either. When we decide to make him our king, we're given the Holy Spirit to be our helper and counselor to help us better understand what scripture is trying to tell us. When we decide to make him our king, We're given divine wisdom, the opportunity to be led by a king worthy of leading. We all have that inner need or that longing for some sort of divine wisdom to guide our lives. It's why so many of us go searching in so many different avenues for a way to live. But many of us struggle to find someone or something that can provide what we're looking for. We struggle to find someone that we can walk with, that we can follow, that will truly lead us with divine wisdom and insight. But this is what Jesus offers us as king. As we devote our lives to him, he will humbly walk with us and guide us as we try to navigate whatever life puts before us. He gives us wisdom on how to handle the difficult moral issues and dilemmas that we face both internally culturally. Jesus as king is a wonder of a counselor, but it also says that he will be called mighty God. This name would more boldly proclaim who he was and his divine power. Not only is he wise, but he is powerful. The name made a statement about the king's capacity. He would have divine power over the the mighty God. This meant that no other nation would be able to stand against him and And that that he would have the ability to make the impossible possible. Being called mighty God meant that he would have the power of the God that created the universe, that sent the plagues to Egypt, that parted the Red Sea, that crumbled the walls of Jericho, and that blew up the Death Star. No, I'm just kidding. I just had to throw that for the kids that were still listening. He would have divine sovereignty over his kingdom. His people would be provided for, and their enemies would have no chance against them. With the threat of the Assyrian Empire right before Judah, the idea of a king with that kind of power to lead and protect them elicited hope once again for their future and an anticipation for this king and savior to arrive. With Jesus as our king, we place our allegiance with the God of the universe, with divine sovereignty over all creation. We serve a king that controls all things and is capable of doing all things. We serve a king that throughout history has always fought for his people. With Jesus as our ruler, we're able to find greater courage to face whatever struggle or adversity life gives us. Because we know that the one we serve is mightier than anything the world could throw our way. He's mightier than any bully we face at school. than any sickness that comes upon us, any financial debt that we're drowning in. He's mightier than the relational brokenness we find in our house, in our friendships, the addiction that's gotten a hold of us, or our debilitating anxieties and insecurities. Jesus is the mighty God. And as our King, he's always with us, giving us strength and protecting us from the adversities we face, whether physical, mental, or spiritual. Now, that being said, sometimes the way that he displays his might and power doesn't always play out the way that we expect it. But we can still find hope knowing that our king is sovereign and in control. The third name that would be given to to Jesus in our passage was Everlasting Father. In Hebrew words, everlasting father meant being the source or author of all eternity. This name would once again address the coming king's deity. But it would also show the nature of his relationship with with his people and the stability of his kingdom. Isaiah was saying that the nature of the king's relationship with his people would not be as a servant or subject. But as one of his children, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. Having the name Everlasting Father would communicate the new king's divine care and concern for his people. They wouldn't just be another number or a person in the kingdom. They would be treated and embraced as beloved members of his family. Even if you're that weird uncle that shows up for Christmas, still loves you unconditionally. This name would also display the new king's reign would be different from any before because his reign would not come and go like the kings that had come before. It would not even last his entire lifetime. His reign and kingdom would last for all eternity. In this life and beyond. As the everlasting father, the king would provide divine care and stability for his people in a way that would surpass human understanding. When we make Jesus our king, he does the same for us. We become embraced unconditionally as loved members of his family. We're shown grace, mercy, and forgiveness. He takes us in and embraces us where we're at and brings us to where he wants us to be. As the everlasting father of our lives, he will never walk out on us. He's constant. He's a stable presence and authority that has our best eternal interests at heart. When we place our faith in Jesus as our king, he rules over us with his divine care and concern in this life and for all eternity. The last name that Jesus would be given in our passage was Prince of Peace. And this name speaks to who he would be, but also says a lot about the nature of his kingdom. The word peace means far more than just a lack of war or not having any enemies. It means to be whole or complete, to encompass one's well-being and safety. It involves being good and in a right relationship with creation, ourselves, our neighbors, and with God. God. As the prince of peace, the future king would bring about divine completeness. For those in his kingdom, he would help them find personal fulfillment, well-being, harmony, and peace with God. Life would be lived in a way that God intended for it to be lived. When we hear the word peace, we often view its meaning simply as a lack of conflict with others. But in this context, it means so much more. The new king would bring about an era for all eternity where everything broken would be made complete. Where life would have balance and harmony and where relationships between humanity and God would be restored. This king that would come would not only be a bearer of peace to the world, but also restore peace between the world and its creator. Jesus was the embodiment of divine completeness. He was both fully man and fully God. His life, death, and resurrection would bring about the opportunity for us to find peace and completeness with God in a way that helps us partner with him and bringing those things to the world around us. With Jesus as our king, we're able to experience completeness, peace, and fulfillment that can transform any, transform and transcend any circumstance we find ourselves in. It allows for us to be the stable force for the people we love that are grieving. It gives us perspective when life doesn't go the way that we had planned it to be. And it helps us continue to push forward through the chaos of life, even when it seems like it's too much and we can't see what lies ahead of us. Ultimately, with Jesus as our king, we will one day enter his perfect, eternal heavenly kingdom and fully experience true peace completeness, and fulfillment. The four names that are given to the prophesied King Jesus create a beautiful mosaic of hope for what's to come. For to them a King would be born that would embody and bring divine wisdom, divine power, divine care and concern, and divine completeness. And for the same reason, he would be born to us. It's on Christmas Day that we celebrate the advent of a new king. If we look at verse 7 of our passage, we find where it connects us to the Christmas story. It says this, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice, righteousness, from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It says that the future king will be great. And that he will reign on David's throne, establishing and upholding it forever. Now turn with me to Luke 1. Verse 30 through 33. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I hope you see the similarity in these passages. The angel wanted Mary to know that this child that was growing inside of her was the new king and savior that Israel had been waiting for. So he mirrored the words of the prophet to give her confidence in what was ahead. The new king that Isaiah talks about is Jesus, the little baby that would be humbly born in a manger in Bethlehem. When we look at Jesus's life and ministry on earth, we see evidence of these names that Isaiah would call him. We see his divine counsel and divine power in the miracles and interactions that he had with his disciples. We see his divine care through the way that he treats the afflicted. And through his death and resurrection, he would give the opportunity for divine completeness to those who put their faith in him. He's a divine and supernatural king that is unlike any other king this world has ever seen. His kingdom is not one of this world. It's one that transcends it. He offers each and every one of us who put our faith in him the opportunity or the invitation to become a citizen of his kingdom eternally. We have the opportunity to follow and learn from his divine wisdom. We have the opportunity to experience and call on his mighty power His divine power. We can feel the embrace of his divine care with his unconditional love and undeserved grace. And by putting our faith in and following him, we get to partner with him in bringing his divine completeness to earth until one day we are just fully living in it. But there's a reality that many of us like the Jews of Jesus' time faced where we pass on making him our king. There's a harsh reality to our existence that we talked about a few weeks ago, that unless we put our faith in Jesus, our identity is being a slave to sin. This means that more or less, we make sin the king of our lives, the one who rules us. King Jesus humbly offers us an invitation that we do not deserve to leave our old King behind and join his kingdom of eternal peace, hope, love, and joy. We all have a level of chaos happening in our lives, whether it's dealing with unhealthy relationships, health problems, or maybe deeply rooted emotional struggles. But it's in the midst of all these things that we are offered a new king to lead us. A new king to serve that has the power to transcend any earthly situation. We have been given a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. This Christmas, we can joyfully celebrate the advent of a new era that brings us a new identity, a new outlook, a new purpose, and a new king. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we lift you up. We ask that you be with us this holiday season, Lord, that you would help us remember that it is you who rules our lives. You are our king. And there's so much about you and who you are that changes our lives in eternity. So God, we ask and we pray that you would be with all of us here in our families and that if we have not Chosen to make you our king. That we would do so. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, Let's close with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Merry Christmas. Amen.